we're really brothers on and off the court. And I think the the biggest thing about our culture, we all we let everybody be themselves and, and express themselves in whatever way they want to express themselves, and we just accept everybody. Ever since I got to campus, man, they just brought me in with warm arms, and just I felt that culture immediately. It's Cofield and Company. Company. Thank God it's. All right, back here live on a Friday, as always, Cofield and Company. Knock on the plastic table. Pulling things off from multiple locations. Adam Candy and Henderson, Cofield, north side of town, Finley North VW, and Coach Joe checking in from the Phoenix area. What's up, Coach? Not much. How we doing? Good, man. We're real good. All right, let's get right into it. College basketball insider Joe Esposito, longtime assistant coach. And you were here at UNLV, and you know the Mountain West Conference. And we talked about it last week. You know, the Mountain West hoping to get three or four teams. And in the end, you know, they may cannibalize each other so much that they only get two. And, you know, this week was a prime example of it. A lot of teams at the top knocking each other off and some upsets too. No doubt. You know, I think that, you know, as we talked, I think the over-under is two, two and a half. I think I, I really think that these teams are beating each other. You know, when you look at the standings in the league, Boise State is the, the number one team at this point. But they're, you know, a seven seed and 32 net. Um, Colorado State's got the advantage in the net. Uh, they're looking at about an eight seed with only two games left. So if they can beat, um, you know, Utah State and they can beat Boise, which will be a tough one, we'll see what happens there. I think they're going to get in for sure. Um, the one that's, you know, from the outside looking in is San Diego State. You know, they got them first four out. Um, they got San Jose and at Wyoming and Fresno and at Reno. So I think they got a, a, a games that they can win. So I don't think that they're out yet. You know, I think Wyoming's a team that might be in a little bit of trouble. It depends how, you know, they play these next four games. But it's going to be interesting to see how it all pans out. You know, when you're in a league like this and, you know, you're playing teams that aren't ranked and you're beating up on each other, you can really see the difference. You know, if you're in the SEC or the Big Ten or the Big 12 and you're losing to teams that are ranked in the top 25, the loss doesn't zip you as much. But I think that this league is probably going to see two teams get in, and uh, it'll be interesting to see which one. It's going to come down these last four games. So, Joe, we just talked about Boise State and Colorado State and Wyoming and San Diego State and all being in the bracketology, essentially kind of in the same range, seven, eight, nine line for the ones that are in. So which of those teams do you think is best poised to get to the tournament and maybe win a game or two? I don't know if any can actually win a game or two, to be totally honest with you. You know, I liked uh, Wyoming early, um, you know, and I think they've been falling lately, and they've got some tough games ahead. You know, they got Reno next, and then they got San Diego State at home, and, and then they got to go to Vegas and Fresno. I, I think, you know, they've really got to play well to get in because they're the ninth seed of the of the 7-8-9. Um, I do like Boise. Um, they got UNLV at UNLV, which would be a heck of a game. I think that's going to be a, a huge game for them. I think if they win that game, I think they'll probably be safe enough to say, hey, if we do well enough in the tournament and don't get beat first round, we'll probably, you know, get in. If they win the conference, I, I think they'll, they'll see themselves in there. They're sitting at a 32 net, so I think that'll probably happen. Um, but the team that I like the best as far as being able to win a game would be Colorado State. You know, they shoot the ball so well. They're dangerous. Um, they're a team that, even though they're twelve and four in a conference, um, you know they're a team that's pretty pretty tough. I mean, overall, 
you know, they've had a really good year. They're strong. And I think they're a team that can beat somebody in that NCAA tournament. Yeah, and Roddy might be the most power five type player that the Mountain West can throw out there in terms of the size and the shooting and the ability to play different positions might be a matchup problem when you get there. But let's let's get back to what you just mentioned with Boise State coming to take on UNLV. Uh, you know, I pointed out to Cofield earlier, Joe, the most impressive stat to me about this UNLV team this year is that they have not lost back-to-back games since December 4th. And when you're in a conference like we just mentioned that's been so tough top to bottom, what do you think has allowed UNLV to be able to avoid those losing streaks? Bryce Hamilton. I mean, I, I think he's been, been a guy that's just been doing so many great things. I mean, you look at the 27 uh, against Reno. I mean, he, he was as good as can be out there. And then against Colorado State, you know, he gets 20. He, he just uh, he's just a tough player that can score and, and he can keep you in the game. Um, you know, when you look at some of the some of the games at Fresno, look at look at the Fresno game. You know, he hits a three pointer with two minutes to go in a game, and and uh, he's been playing extremely well. And I know we talk about Roddy and and how good he is in the pro he'll make. You know, Bryce is starting to get in that conversation. All the things that we talked about his freshman year that we thought he needed to improve. You know, off the bounce a little bit. You know, his, his, his three-point shot, shooting it on a, at the peak, not shooting it on the way up. You know, he had some issues with his shot, and he's definitely turned that around. You look at almost every single game, you know, he's been playing really, really well. Um, UNLV's playing well right now. You know, they got three wins in a row. I mean, I feel like – and it's not like they haven't beat anybody. Like, they did beat Fresno at Fresno, and that's a tough game. And, and Colorado State. So that Boise State game is going to be a huge game for Boise State. Boise State, if they really want to get in this tournament and have nothing to sweat out, they've got to win this game. So it'll be pretty exciting. You know, the other crazy thing, if you'd ask fans early in the year that, uh, hey, what do you think about the possibility UNLV is going to go on a run at the end of the, at the uh, end of the season because of their three-point shooting? People would have laughed you out of the room because they didn't shoot the three-ball well, and the players and the coaches kept saying, you know, we can shoot. You know, they wound up in the Reno series plus 48 from the three-point line in two games. Uh, when they played Boise the last time around, Boise won the game, but they made nine, Boise made four, and Boise is a horrific three-point shooting team. And like you said, the the, the stir the, uh, star that stirs the drink is Bryce Hamilton. He is now in his last 11 games, I was just putting the numbers together, 39 threes in the last 11 games, shooting 44% show. Yeah, you know, that <laughs> that is really, really, you know, when you look at that, that's really exciting to see because, you know, he's averaging 21 points a game. And no matter how you look at it, he, he's their guy. I mean, I think that, you know, Jordan McKay's been playing well. He's been passing the ball well. I think I think he's done a good job. You know, Williams' kid's doing well for him inside. Um, you know, Royce Ham's been steadier than I thought he'd be. I remember we talked about them before the season. And, you know, Royce Ham didn't do much at, at Texas. But, you know, they've got a good group. They don't score a ton of points. Um, but they seem to make plays when they have to. And I think that's what's the best thing about them. And, you know, the game they lost you know, recently was at Boise, and it wasn't that, you know, it was a six-point game. So their scores have all been there. Um, and and I, I think, you know, UNLV can beat Boise, and hopefully they'll get some good support there and some good fans, and they'll go out with a bang here. If they win these next three games, whew, they'll be rolling into that tournament. Joe, Steve Alford up in Reno is obviously not having the season that I think everybody expected and in the middle of a very 
long contract. Uh, Sherfield's been in and out a little bit. What do you think is going on up in Reno, and can the pack turn it around this year? You know, I, I hope that he is putting in the same type of effort that he did, you know, when he was at UCLA and, and wherever else he's been. I, You know, when you look at his first season, he wins 19. Muscleman's guys, still they won 19. Second year, they won 16. You know, they're still doing okay in the league. And then this year, they're down to 12 and 14 and 6 and 9 in the league. And year three is usually that year where you kind of, you know, I wouldn't say rate a coach, but you kind of feel like you're going to give him a little time. And year three, you want to see results. I mean, the best thing that Steve Alford has done in Reno is help raise money for their new practice facility. Yeah. I mean, they've raised over $8 million and. And he's got a good name, and he's a good guy, he's a good person, and I think they really rallied around him to build his practice facility. But the biggest problem with Reno is, is they don't play defense. I mean, defensively, they give up 74 points a game. They're, they're number 10 in the league. They're a team that just can't guard anybody. And then when you look at their three-point shooting, I mean, there you go again. They're the 10th tenth, uh, tenth in, in the league, and they're a team that just can't make shots on the perimeter, let alone defend three-point shots. You know, that's where they're really struggling. You know, they give up 35% in threes, you know, so that's that's number 10 in the league as well. So defensively, they've been a, just a train wreck. Um, it just seems like they don't have that fight, that excitement. The fans aren't like they used to be nope. when the Musk bus was in town. So they got some work to do there, and uh, let's hope that he can turn it around. But I don't know. I, I don't know what the, what the feeling is there about him and his program. But I do know he's a good man, he's a good guy, and hopefully he'll get that thing turned around in the right direction. I'm going to tell you, I, I know people up there who talk about this being one of the hardest packed teams to watch that they've seen. Because just watching the second half against UNLV, if Grant Sherfield didn't get his shot, nobody was getting a shot. Like Nobody else on that team had the ability to go and break the defense down one-on-one and create anything, and it just became a really stagnant kind of team, and it just didn't feel like the sort of outfit that we're used to seeing where you know Reno rolls out three or four of those kind of guys who can go off on you on any single night. You know, he's a guy that definitely puts up a lot of shots, and, and when you look at his game, I mean, he also gets their free throw line more than anybody on the team. You know, the Cambridge kid is the same same way for them. You know, he's a guy that is going to put up a lot of shots, and that's their two main guys. You know, when you look at they're both getting shot over 300 shots this season, I mean, they're both leading. Now, when you, when you look at their team and their breakdown, you know, they got five guys in double digits, and you would think that that's a good, you know, distribution of the ball, and a lot of guys can beat you in a lot of ways. But I think after that, you know, it kind of gets a little rusty and uh, – I, they just got to come together as a team. I mean, sometimes, you know, egos and I'm reading a great book about coaching millennials and just the, the whole different aspect of coaching kids today and how they need so much praise and how they just the social media and what's out there social media wise just is really ruining a lot of kids. And you've got to have some real thick skin to play college basketball nowadays when you see all these things that are going on in the game, whether your buddy's getting more money than you in this NIL stuff or, or you know, they're bragging about a guy on your team or in your league, there's a lot to be said about this kind of student-athlete, and it seems like they may have some issues there at Reno. Well, I'll tell you what else it takes to, to have a thick skin to be able to do, Joe, and that's to be a referee. 
and you know that I ref the game. I know that we don't want it to be an adversarial thing with coaches. Uh, the Hurley situation over the weekend, though, got adversarial real quick. Uh, what did you think of what went down there where Danny Hurley ends up getting tossed in the first half of that game? You know, there had to be some type of issue with with those two guys before. It just had to be because, you know, my thing is this. I mean, he said he showed him up or whatever he said. It made him look bad or whatever. Well, the call made you look bad already just to start off. I thought it was a bad call as well. I went back and looked at it a few times. And regardless, you know, Hurley's got a reputation of riding officials, you know, just like his brother does. I mean, it's just some guys out there have a reputation. And, you know, I can remember working with Tubby for all those years, talking about, you know, the referees talk. You know, they, they meet in the locker rooms and they, they talk. They see each other everywhere. And when you start getting a bad rep mm. with referees, it's not going to help you. It's really not going to help you. And I think in that situation, he really rode that guy. If you read his lips, he really rode that guy hard. And to say that he should have gotten thrown out of that game, he, he probably shouldn't have. Um, the play was over. He was getting his fans riled up for what's going to take place next. Um, and I just thought that, yeah, he might have been a little bit of a jerk trying to get everybody riled up and, and get on the referee, but I don't think it meant for an ejection. Now, if you look at the Illinois game the other night and Brad Underwood, he already got ejected when he got his crowd going. Pretty similar. If you look at the two of them, they both were turned around the bench, throwing their hands up in the air, and getting their fans riled up. So it was just a kind of a different situation because he was already thrown out. But I think it was un- unheard. I, th- I really think it was it was something that should have never happened. <coughs> Excuse me. And I hope that we won't see more of this in the near future. I'm going to tell you the hardest job. The hardest job is being that assistant coach to hold that guy back. Now, are you really holding him back? <laughs> I mean, when you think about it, those guys, are you really holding the coach back? Like, say you just let him go. What is he going to do, go beat the ref up? Like, I always wondered, like, what my job was when Tubby would get off and start screaming at a guy. Do I hold him? I mean, do I look good on TV? You know, try to show off my suit? I don't know what you're supposed to be doing out there. But when you watch the guys trying to hold back Hurley, it was pretty comical. And one of them was a guy I worked with years ago. Joe, what happens if I show up? At Cesar Chavez for your next game, are, are we going to get along? Are we going to have a good game together? Are we going to be able to work together? You know, I haven't gotten any technical fouls since I've been a high school coach. Hey, so all right. I that I've done pretty good. Now, do I ride him a little bit? I probably do a little bit. But I just look at him like – I just say to him, I say, you know, you wonder why you're in high school. I mean, Ooh. you got to make some calls. But I think they're afraid to te- team me up right now. I think I got a little bit of a, a deal where they might be afraid to team me up. I don't think I've deserved a technical yet. I think, I, to be honest with you, I try to just leave the referees alone. That is a hard job. At the high school level, you got the parents riding you way harder than the coaches. Joe and I really coach. think it's a hard job, and I feel for referees. And, and I know that it's a hard, hard situation to be in because somebody's not going to like your call. Put it that way. Somebody's not going to like your every call you make. Someone's not going to like it, but it's just part of the job. So there are some really, really good referees out there. This was just a bad instance where, you know, this guy wanted to let Hurley know that, hey, look, I'm in charge. And I think he got a little out of hand. Coach Joe is with us on Cofield and Company. Last one, Joe. What do you think is going to happen with uh, Kansas and Baylor and, you know, a ton on the line tomorrow? 
Well, you know, Kansas is playing really well. I mean, they are playing well, and Baylor's got a couple possible injuries. You know, if, if Flagler doesn't play, you know, he's their number one off, uh, offensive look, and he has a knee issue. And then, you know, Cryer is questionable for the game. Um, you know, they've moved to a 1-3-1 zone because they feel like they're limited as far as their roster and trying to keep guys fresh. So I'm going to lean towards Kansas in that one. And I know Can- – I'll tell you, from my experience of scouting Kansas, they're a really good zone offense team. They play good against zones. I think Kansas is playing great. I think they're playing enough, uh, good enough right now to probably make a run at this NCAA tournament. So I'm feeling good about Kansas, and I think they'll beat Baylor at Baylor. Joe, you're the man. We appreciate it. We'll talk to you next week. Great talking to you guys. Have a great day. There is Coach Joe, former assistant at UNLV in Memphis and schools like Minnesota. In about 10 minutes, we'll go a little deeper on the Boise matchup. We haven't really done this all year. We're kind of you know waiting for UNLV to, to really get hot to bring in that uh, broader audience. But this is a big one this weekend, Candy. Uh, Boise's in town. Leon Rice is a – I won't say it, but uh, there's a history with Leon Rice uh, this year and certainly going back years ago with his decorum in the face of Dave Rice. So uh, Chris Lewis, who uh, did radio for a while in Boise and is now one of the lead play-by-play voices on CBS Sportsnet, he's going to join us in about 10. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. Cofield and Company is back. I'm going to tread lightly here. I'm going to tread real lightly because uh, every time I bring up TV and movies and my rankings list, Candy goes ballistic and yells at me, suggesting that uh, I shouldn't have the time to watch all this stuff. So, Candy, have you been inspired uh, after some of our previous discussions about what's going on 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 TV and, and you're watching a whole lot more. Cause I know Ari, since we've been doing this stuff for about two years, I mean, has absolutely jumped in and watches uh, just a lot of shows. Uh, let me correct that. None. I don't think he's ever watched the show. We've talked about within a week of when we've discussed it. So Not he has a, he has a very busy life, especially during the lockdown. Uh, he just, he didn't have any free time. Well, the thing is, I only watch what Ari tells me to watch. And so Ari hasn't given me any recommendations right. in quite a long time. So I just pretty much watch sports instead. Like, But if Ari all would right. give me something to watch, because he and I are pretty much simpatico on all things. So I figure if Ari thinks it's good, I'm going to like it too. I don't even know how to respond to that. Uh, yeah, the same way you don't know how to respond when I ask you for TV recommendations. That's the problem. That's the issue in all of this. I will tell you this much, Cofield. You inspire me in many different ways daily this isn't necessarily one of them but i have <laughs> because i was at a friend's house and he was watching yeah. uh mayor of kingstown okay yeah so there you go i i am officially yeah. now ingrained in a show i know something about it i can have discussions with people about something that All happened right. today i i don't have that in my top 10 because i watched it and finished it about a month ago uh, but it's excellent. You should watch it. It's really violent. I'm, I'm in. I'm it's, in. It's, I, it's, I, it's, I'm, it's, I'm absolutely. I'm in. It is very. It is very violent. Um, see, I thought you were inspired by the fact that I listened to a ton of radio, including you know, in addition to watching TV, because you were on a station across town doing some of the uh, Odyssey uh, stuff for their betting show, and I was blowing you up on Twitter because your co-host tried to set up some TV and movie talk, except he didn't read any of the information on the movie. 
that he wanted to discuss, and I'm sitting there just texting away. I'm like, he didn't even have the movie description right, and you're like, I don't want to watch this 80 for Brady movie. I'm like, he led you down a path of freaking Moronville because he didn't describe the movie well. Listen, Steve Cofield knows that not everybody can be Steve Cofield. Right, And so sometimes if you work with someone who's not Steve Cofield, Steve Cofield says to you, why aren't you working with someone as good as Steve Cofield? And so I say to myself, well, Steve Cofield, not everybody is Steve Cofield, and I don't know if that is enough for you to feel like that I have made amends for wherever I had to be yesterday uh, now that I'm home. Well, the the funny thing is as I was listening to the person and he wasn't prepped on the story, I often think about how – not prepped, I on uh, not prepped how uh, I should be on so many stories now because we're doing. There's no, there, you know, there's no excuse. You just have to be prepped because the eighty for Brady movie. We'd already talked about it the other day. I think it's actually going to be good. And you know, the, the premise that came out of your discussion was, well, it's Brady. He hasn't had enough time to kind of marinate away from the sport. Like he's not going to be the star of the movie, and the movie, it, you know, appears to be just some guy's road trip to go to the Super Bowl against the Falcons that they won, it's called 80 for Brady because it's a bunch of 80-year-old women who are in the movie. So I think it has potential to be a good movie. Okay, so obviously we're going down the Guilf Road here. I get it, Cofield. Like, that's why you're into this movie. <laughs> you're not going to watch with the SO. I get it. All right, so. Uh, no, you that's know, not it, true. That's here not, we are. Not, here we are true. back into niche content again. She, she will probably say I'm not watching it. Because she hates Tom Brady as much as almost everyone else does. But when I tell her that it's basically uh, Grace and Frankie, um, that's Jane Fonda and Lily Tomlin, that movie she'll be in. And it's not like we, like we can watch these older women in shows and like it's not like all uncomfortable. I don't sit there and just groan. You think I'm some kind of weirdo? I'm just saying I didn't know if it would be a comfortable experience for her to yeah. sit and watch you ogle the 80-year-old's and, you know, just think to yourself, well, I, I wish she wasn't here right now so I could watch this in peace. Jane Fonda's an icon. Show some respect, my friend. Show some respect, please. Mm-hmm. We, we came back with some 80s music. I just was imagining Steve uh, with some big teased-out feathered hair watching a Jane Fonda workout video to get in shape, you know, bouncing in front of the VCR and getting himself all worked up. I could that do you? that, too. I could do that. I don't have enough hair to, in the back to tease, tease up, but, I, you know. I could do that in the past. Um, the other thing I wanted to mention real quick, because Ari came back with the uh, Motley Crue music, is Pam and Tommy is out on Hulu, and I know you guys were shooting that down as well. Th- there are actually a lot of things in this, you know, sort of whatever, doc made into a movie with characters um, that I didn't know about the Pam and Tommy video. So it's worth a watch. It's a little long, and, and I'll, I'll say, um, just like in sports movies, I have trouble when people are cast that don't look or they don't have the size of the person they're playing. The size of the person they're playing in the Tommy Lee and Pam Anderson. The Pam Anderson actress is fine. Mm -hmm. The Tommy Lee character is, he comes up short in terms of Mm -hmm. height. No, I really mean it. He's actually, because I I think, I think, uh, Tommy is like six three or six four. This guy is not that tall, so it just it annoys me. It's like, you know, rest rest in peace. But when the Hank Gather story came out, and clearly the guy was like five eleven, trying to play a six seven dude, it just looked stupid. And they had a they had to have him on a rim that was like seven feet high, and the dunks looked dumb. So someone has to explain that. something to me though, um, because there the most egregious one of all remains 
Kevin James playing oh, Sean Payton, brilliant. right? Like Paul Blart Mallhop so as Sean Payton is maybe oh. the worst casting of a generation. Oh, it's such a great movie. It's, we, we, we have to do this another time, but it, we'll, we'll try to get to it in the 5 o'clock hour. But it is, I actually am – I'm not giving it a 10, but I, I gave the, uh, the, 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 the Kevin James – Sean Payton comedy with all the, uh, what's his name, Adam Sandler players. I gave it about a six. Cofield and company will be back in minutes right here on ESPN Las Vegas. Gabe reverses to Nuga. Nuga long three is good. Mike hits his first shot of the game. And boy, he and McCabe have come up huge late in the second half. Now back to Cofield and company. ESPN Las Vegas. Dive a little uh, deeper into you Boise tomorrow here in town. Boise State, first place team in the Mountain West Conference, taking on the Rebels, who are playing really well, and Bryce Hamilton making a uh, a late run at Conference Player of the Year. I think it's probably a long shot, but we'll see what happens these next three, four games. Uh, Chris Lewis did radio in Boise. He's now doing play-by-play for ESPN and CBS Sportsnet, and gives us a couple of minutes. Is we want his take on the conference and particularly uh, or specifically on Boise. Chris, how you doing, buddy? Hey, really good. Good to be on. Good Adam Candy. Uh, Adam Candy here as well. Mountain West Hoops. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Um, first of all, I, I don't know if you're aware of this, but um, in ancient history, about eight years ago, um, Leon Rice really angered some running Rebel fans. There was a game that went to overtime, and Leon Rice got excited on a challenge in overtime, and Kind of did a fist pump right in Dave Rice's face, so I, I know that he, he's talked about it. But there, there is a little bit of a rivalry when it comes to Leon Rice with with Rebels fans. So that's that's one of the the kind of the the backdrops to this game. And the other part of it is UNLV was right there uh, in the game at Boise, and UNLV would love to knock off the first place team. Yeah, I mean it sets up for uh, another fun one. I mean UNLV is playing great, and it's great to see how well that they've been playing. Um, after maybe a little bit of an uneven start, but it seems like the health of a couple of key players have really boosted, uh, you know, their stretch run. And Bryce Hamilton is a treat to watch. And anytime you get the chance to watch him play and him playing in a big game, I mean, Boise State's going to be a challenge because of uh, their defenders. I mean, from Emmanuel Acott to Abu Kijab, I mean, those guys are two of the better perimeter defenders that the league has. Boise State's defense is so tough to solve because their length and switchability at a lot of different positions. So it just naturally leads to a great matchup. And then you bring in a history and uh, those elements at it. I mean, Coach Leon Rice is now like the elder statesman of the Mountain yeah. West, which is in a way just kind of hard to believe how much time flies. But uh, when you've been around this long, you might have some history with a lot of teams, especially when you have the success that uh, Boise State has had at times in the uh, regular season in this conference. Uh, you're going to build up some, uh, some animosity, so it's fun. Yeah, we had Brian Dutcher on the other day from San Diego State, and I was asking him about the toughest matchup for his team at the top of the conference, and he did not hesitate. He said, he said Boise, and he said in a lot of ways they play defense like us, and they're kind of built like us. Um, aside from defense, why does the offense work? They don't, shoot, they, they don't shoot a lot of threes, and they don't make a lot of threes, which is kind of weird in this day of college basketball. Why does it work on offense for the Broncos? Uh, it seems like they're able to score when they need to. Like, that, that's kind of the best way to describe it. Especially these like late game situations, Marcus Shaver uh, Jr. He's had three like big time clutch baskets. You know, three of the biggest baskets that you know the league has had this year. One to tie the game against Colorado State in the game which they did lose. Uh, one against San Diego State. One against Utah State. Uh, those were on the road. 
So I mean, he's hit some big shots in late second half moments uh, that have been crucial. And it's funny because you'll look at Boise State's profile and you'll see one glaring stat of that could be a weakness is the free throw percentage. They're, they're not very good uh, from the line. A lot of it is who gets to the line a lot and their percentages. Like Armish is not a very good free throw shooter at all. And he gets to the line a lot. You know, Key Jam and Akot are okay from the line. Shaver is really good, but um, he can't take all the team's free throws. Max Bryce uh, is also a good shooter. But the thing that Boise State does is they get down. They get to the line a lot. And Key Jab's really good at it uh, with his, like, mid-post. He's able to use ball fakes and pump fakes. And uh, he's able to get a step and use his strength. I kind of aching it to Jimmy Butler if you watch uh, the NBA and the way he operates. Uh, just that physicality leads to contact, and um, even if you don't make all your free throws, if you get enough of them, you're going to get some points. Chris, who's the best Mountain West team that you've seen this year? Joe Lunardi right now has three Mountain West teams in with San Diego State on the bubble. Uh, who's the best you've seen? Who do you think is uh, poised to make a run? I think the best way to answer it is, like, highest ceiling versus, like, consistently good, right? Like, because I think those answers might be different. I think Boise State consistently gives you what they are. Like, they'll give you a scrappy defensive game from physicality on offense. They get to the line. And that formula on a game-in, game-out basis, they're consistent with it. So they're in every game. You know, some of these games are close, maybe against teams that shouldn't be as close. But um, in a game-in, game-out basis, you're going to get, let's say, B-plus level basketball from Boise State, it seems like, on a game-in, game-out basis. But if you want to go to, like, who has the best A game, who has the best ball, when they have it all clicking, I mean, Colorado State, um, with a Roddy and Stevens, that combination, Roddy is just taking his game to a whole different level. This dude, you know, outside, inside, off the dribble, posting up, face up, whatever you want to do. Uh, he's up for the challenge. And Stevens can handle it. So when their defense, and also Jacobs is a kind of that X factor for Colorado State, too. But if their defense has a great game, now UNLV, of course, has gotten the better of Colorado State a couple of times. So, you know, maybe it's a matchup thing, or maybe it's one of those things where it was two of the down games that Colorado State has had. But I think them at their best might be the best team in the league. But will they have that in a situation in the conference tournament where they can do it three games in a row? That might be a challenge. Yeah, that certainly seems to be exactly what the challenge would be for them in particular. Um, You mentioned the consistency level with Boise State, Chris, and I know you've been in town for quite a while and across the Mountain West. Getting the interest ramped back up with fans after the COVID years has been a challenge, uh, especially with getting people in the building and creating that kind of atmosphere. What's the buzz around Boise for this team? Oh, I mean, they're hooked. Uh, I mean, the fans and the crowd like that tends to be a story like sometimes you don't see every seat filled and you know that can be disappointing depending on who you ask about it but the fans who are there are really engaged or loud it's created some great atmospheres for some games in Boise and um, you know the one I called a little less than a week ago against Utah State was a fun one uh, San Diego State game was wild so yeah we've gotten some great atmospheres and you know, throughout the conference, you've know, seen the games Wyoming had where, you know, there was court storming there and uh, Colorado State and the flip side was it like five, six straight sellouts or whatever it is. So the league is, uh, when it's good, it's good. It's really a fun league with the different destinations and the different styles that you see and the kind of high-profile players. And it's it becomes a really, really fun basketball league, and I'm really enjoying that. I feel like this year, 
it is sending the love and the national respect that it doesn't always get. And, um, you know, part of the reason I've always kind of asked myself, like, why this year? Like, why this year does it seem to be connecting? And some of it is the metrics in the league did have a good non-conference as a whole. But, you know, year in, year out, like, there are fun stories in this league. There isn't one dominant San Diego State, like, 30-2 and two team like you could have in uh, some years past. But I think this creates a lot more interest across the different schools when you have balance and a lot of stakes seemingly in every game because there's so many teams in the top tier that feel like they have a chance to win the league. Of course, Lewis with us, Cofield and Company, calls the games for uh, CBS Sportsnet, does play-by-play for uh, lots of other outlets, including ESPN. Back to Leon Rice specifically for a second here. So I think this is the ninth year out of 12 that he's won 20 games. They get in the NCAAs. They make a run to the Sweet 16. That always seems to be, you know, for coaches who might be out of the limelight, a real good thing for potential job offers, right? Is there a chance he leaves when, you know, he looks around and he's like, yeah, you know, we get decent crowds, but we're not getting 10000 a night. Maybe I've kind of, you know, done all I could here. He's not, he's, he's, he's not breaking the bank at Boise either. Um, is there a chance he moves on? Is there, I wonder if there's a destination that really interests him. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to be the one to, to speak on that. I mean, you know, he's been at Boise State a while, and I know that, you know, Bronco fans love watching his team do the kind of accomplishments and play the style that they do uh, throughout the season. I know the one thing that is kind of eluded Boise State is in, in his time is the success in March, and specifically the Mountain West Tournament. Yeah. Um, you know, there's been a – couple of years and maybe it's like three or four of them where they were the better seed and uh didn't win a game that they should have just if you line it up by seeds you know you never should lose wearing white right like that's kind of a thing that in college basketball you never want to lose when you're the uh, better seed and uh, Boise State's done that a couple of times and the program is still looking for its first NCAA tournament win so that's another box to check off so like you know, I disagree with the concept that he's, you know, checked off all the boxes. I think if you would ask him, he'd say, yeah, there's still, you know, definitely some things that are still on the table. So I don't want to speak about his future. I have no idea. Like, I don't know what his goals or ambitions are in that category. And um, I'm not going to speculate on anything like that. But um, I, I know that just watching him, the energy's here. He's engaged. He, he, it's funny because when you, you do this job and you're talking to a lot of different coaches, uh, you know, throughout you, some stand out with the kind of energy that they have. You know, some are you know some are pessimistic by nature. Some are right. downers by nature. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, Leon's kind of he's always excited. It's always fun to uh, get a chance to talk to him. By the way, to, to uh, dive a little bit deeper into convos with coaches, has there been someone that surprised you? You know, like you said, you guys get to talk to just about every coach as you're prepping for the games. Where maybe you didn't know the person, and you're like, all right, that dude's kind of cool. Like I didn't know that about him. Um, I would say it's not a Mountain West. I don't know if you want to uh, no in general outside in general go outside of that. But yeah. uh, San Francisco, they're having a really good year this year. Um, I know they just lost the game to Gonzaga yesterday, um, but you know, they're certainly one of those on the bubble teams. Todd Golden, um, young head coach, uh, I think he's mid thirties. I don't have to say thirty. Uh, might be like thirty five or something like that. Definitely uh, not up there in age. Young guy. Um, really analytically driven, a lot of energy, really smart, learn about certain elements about his team. And he speaks so highly of his players, you know, uh, from Bouye to um, uh, Shabazz on that team. Like, but they have a couple of really good guards. And uh, it was just really fun to learn about him and learn about the team through 
talking to him, I know I had a couple of uh, San Francisco games uh, more early in West Coast Conference play. So I'm kind of just hoping uh, that they find the right side of the bubble. Maybe they win a couple of games in the uh, West Coast Conference tournament, maybe get to the championship game, have a good meeting with St. Mary's ahead of that, and then give Gonzaga a game. And I think he's kind of a guy to just have on the radar of, you know, when you're thinking of young coaches who might be factors uh, in this sport for years, uh, he definitely checks a lot of boxes in that way. Yeah, totally agree. Chris, we appreciate a couple minutes. Uh, we know you're a busy guy, so thank you and have a good weekend. No, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. There he is, Chris Lewis, working with CBS Sportsnet. Uh, next game for him in the Mountain West Conference is a uh, super intense rivalry that not many people know about, but Fresno taking on San Diego State. Uh, that one gets really nasty. So he didn't want to go down the path, Candy, on Leon Rice, but I'm going to set this up because it just happened in the conference in football. If CSU, because they, they have, to me, they have the guy who's who's kind of been put over by his play and by the media, kind of in wrestling terms, David Roddy, right? He, he, he's a national guy, if there is a national guy in the Mountain West Conference, which means if they make the Sweet 16 in the tournament, got to make the tournament first. They make the Sweet 16. I think Nico Medved probably should have been offered a job already, like Utah or Minnesota. I'm not sure either one of those schools got the best guy. If Medved moves on, right, could CSU do what it did to Reno and go to Leon Rice and go, Leon, I mean, you got 20 wins a year, or 20 wins in, in 9 of 12 seasons. You got games that you're playing in front of five and 6,000 people. You got a nice 10,000-seat arena. You also make less than $800,000 a year. Here's $2 million. Let's go. What does he do? Do you take the CSU job? You absolutely go. There's no question about it because there are only so many opportunities to make money in this conference, right? That $2 million number, if they go there, you're not getting that in the Mountain West in many spots if your name's not Steve Alford. And so if you have that opportunity, if you're Leon Rice, you go and you go right now. And the, the flip side of that is, to me, the side that needs more attention. Why the hell is Nico Medved still at Colorado State? He should have been gone. Look at what he took over for. Look at the mess that Eustachie left at that place yep. and what he's done with the Rams since that time. Nico Medved absolutely should have a shot at a Power 5 job. Join the conversation on Twitter at Cofield & Co. It's Cofield & Company's eye on sports gambling. I'm going to kill your bookmaker. I'm going to rip his throat out. I will step on his throat until the man chokes. Let me tell you how. Winners, 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 winners. Free, 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 free. All right, Candy, we have to revisit the controversy on this show. We've talked about it when you're on, when you're off. It's it's getting very ugly. And then I got a text yesterday that I thought was very distressing. So maybe we get some finality on this. Uh, you and I made a bet. It actually turns out the day after Brian Flores got fired. A bunch of stories were out that Flores was a candidate after he lost the Dolphins job for several head coaching jobs. Um, I think we made a bet that said Flores – We'll be a head coach this coming season. Yes versus no. You took the yes. I took the no. You are claiming the bet is now void, correct? Because Flores sued the league. Now, as it turns out, he actually got a job as an assistant coach. I think the text you sent me yesterday or the day before was claiming that maybe you win the bet because of that. So where are you right now on this? 
Oh, I'm the same place that I've always been, which is right. Um, that uh, Brian Flores disqualified himself from any sense of a wager between us about being a head coach in the NFL because we never considered the fact that Brian Flores might just go out there and napalm himself as a head coach in the NFL by suing them. It's clear. It's obvious. Uh, let's remind people, Ari did a great job of going back and uh, combing through all the sound from, uh, boy, oh, boy, I think it might have been January 11th. Uh, this was Candy making the bet. Brian Flores got the shaft, and that's why he's a candidate for every head coaching geek that's open right now. It's the problem is from ownership. What's more likely, Brian Flores is working in the Nick Saban Rehab Institute, or he'll be a head coach next year? Brian Flores will, underscore, bold, Big, bright neon lights be a head coach in the National Football League next year. Next year? Next year. Wow. Okay. Multiple times. Multiple times. I ran this by one of our many legal insiders, and I went next level because we've got Justin Watkins, an attorney. We've got Xavier Pope, an attorney. We've also got Dan Jacobs. Judge Dan was told about this. If you were able to play back some feed from the show that there was some specific out, there is no out. Unless there was something in writing or verbally laid out that day, there was absolutely no out for Mr. Candy. He loses, period. That's a judge. It is That's a judge. A judge. I, uh, I will await seeing uh, Judge Jacobs' admission to the Nevada bar. Uh, oh, no. I, I, I believe he. I believe he is – a member of the Colorado State Bar. Oh, we did no, not make this not bet this. in the state of Colorado. This, this bet was made in Nevada. You are yeah. welcome to get your legal insider, Justin Watkins, and get his opinion. I wonder if there's any money exchange between Cofield and Watkins. What is going on here? Suggestions of impropriety. Suggestion, suggestions. No, the only impropriety here is that there's someone trying to force me to pay up on this when it's quite obvious that the bet is null and void. Uh, here's Candy, and let's see if he came up with what Judge Dan was looking for, the out. Did he mention anything about Flores and the bet being void at some point? Brian Flores might be an NFL head coach within two weeks. What I'm just saying to you is if you want wow, to put something wrong. on this, that's fine. I think Brian Flores is coaching in the NFL as a head coach in 2022. Okay, I say no. And we are we are putting our standard wager of 50 gummy bears on this. Uh, why don't we just, you want to do a Smith's gift card? Ooh, this is serious to you. You're willing to put Smith's on this. Let's go to Judge Dan one more time. Uh, he's heard all the facts in this case. There is no out. Judge Dan? Here in this case, either you guys said it, or you didn't. Did you guys, when you make the bet, did you say, well, he's going to get a job unless he sues? Did you guys say that anywhere? No, of course not. Okay, course not. then he loses. But, Mr. Candy, uh, shame on you for trying to weasel your way out of whatever the payoff is. You lose. Wow. Wow. Double wow. That 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 uh, that took me back to Judge Wapner. If we took this in front of family court, wherever that show was called, what was it called? Uh, with Judge Wapner? Forget Judge Judy. Judge Judy would rip oh, her head off. Oh, you... You, sir, can't even remember what the people's court is, people's and you court, want this to be decided court. in the people's court. court. The sure, people people's have court. spoken. The people are talking to you right here and now. You, sir, have gotten, by the way, just as an aside, you've gotten way more than $50 worth of content out of this discussion. I feel like you owe me at this point. You have been able to ride this thing out for multiple segments. You have now enlisted Ari, who I thought, I thought was a friend 
but apparently Ari is just part of Big Cofield. Cofield and company will be back in minutes right here on ESPN Las Vegas.